Come on, do you believe that today, church? Come on, if you do, would you lift up your voice? Listen, I don't care what you went through this week. Sometimes what we got to do is come and begin to declare that my God is faithful. When my world feels like it's falling apart, we just say, God, you are faithful. He will remain true. When you go through the valley of the shadow of death, he will not leave you. So we hold on to that truth. Come on, if you believe it, give him a great shout. I believe sometimes it's great just to to declare something to be true even if you don't feel it inside sometimes when you know what's true but even though you're walking through something else sometimes you just in those moments that's where you got to declare God is faithful God is good my situation might not be good but here's what I do know that my God is good and God will use every situation in my life for for our good and for his glory amen Amen. Man, it's good to be back with you all. I miss preaching. I like movies, but I like preaching, so I'm glad to be back. I know you wish you could have another movie, but I'm here. I'll tell you one of the coolest things about about the, our movie series is it gives me an opportunity to get to, to experience church through your lens. And, and one of the coolest things for me was getting to go down a couple times to visit with our Lancaster family. Can we just send our love to our Lancaster family? Come on, I just want to tell you, God's doing something great. Pastor Ross, the team, just the atmosphere, the health. I'm just telling you, it's incredible what God's doing down there. And, and so it's exciting for me to be able to see it and experience it. And, uh, but I'm glad to be back. We're starting a brand new season next weekend in our church. And, and uh, I know school start up. How many of y'all excited about school? How many of you said, really? I thought parents, I thought you'd help me out there. I thought every parent would be just like jumping up and down. I get it. I get it. But, but man, I think whenever there's a new season, I think it's time for us to, to think about the rhythms that we need in life. And I believe that God has a word for us today, a word that he's put on my heart for our community that really I pray will challenge you. So what does it mean to be a part of this community as we begin a new season together? So both our locations, would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Let me pray over you today. Father, I come to you right now so thankful for your grace. God, we need your grace all the time. I pray, God, there's anyone here today in Lancaster that, Lord, just feels like uh, they're wondering where you are. I pray, God, in this moment that they would know that you are near. Know that, God, you're in control. So, God, we just ask in these moments now as we, as we turn our hearts, God, to your word, I pray that it would be seed that would be planted in fertile soil, that it would produce something in our lives. God, we're here to lean into you. And so I ask, God, that for all of us, that you would use me now to declare your word, the word you gave to me. God, we pray all of these things in the name of our Savior, the one and only Jesus Christ. And everybody said... Come on, can we give him praise one more time? All right, you guys can go ahead and grab a seat. So good to be with you. Thank you, Janice. Can you all give it up for Janice? She is my rock and steady head. Now, that was a little bit more than when I said I was glad to be back preaching. That did not make me feel good, but that's okay. I know you all love Janice. Who doesn't love Janice? She's awesome. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> You're going to give me a complex, all right? So, man, it's great to be with you. I have missed uh, preaching and I, I've been thinking about the trend of our culture and where it's going and 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 I thought about um, one of the greatest invention that's ever happened in my lifetime and there's a lot of great things that have happened in my lifetime and I haven't been around that long but I've been around long enough to to see some things come to fruition that just changed the game 
I've been around long enough. I know some of you only know 21st century living. There's some of you that never live outside the 21st century, but then there's some of us that have. How many of you lived outside the 21st century? You all are experienced. That's what I call us. We're experienced if you lived before the 21st century. And there's some things in my life that I've seen have just changed everything. Now, I know there's some great inventions, like I'm holding one right here, the iPhone. I mean, this is awesome, you know, social media, pretty awesome. But from where I stand, one of the greatest inventions of my entire life that I've ever gotten to witness is on-demand TV. Hello, can I get a witness from anybody that likes on-demand TV? Oh my gosh, you guys are lame. I wish I were in Lancaster right now because they'd be talking back to me right now in Lancaster. They'd be, they, they want another movie here in Lifeopolis, so I just got to say that. But uh, on-demand TV... Gosh, it was one of the greatest things ever, because some of you don't know what it's like. I, I see some young folks, and you have no idea what it's like, what, what some of us grew up with. Some of you don't know what it was like, where if you wanted to watch your favorite show, you had to be in front of the TV at exactly that moment when it came on. Friday night, 8 o'clock, you wanted to be there for TGAIF, you had to be in front of your TV. Some of you don't know what it was like back then. And, and I remember we even had this box that would kind of help in life. It was called a VCR. Any of y'all had a VCR? Raise your hand if you're old with me. VCR, right? And you had these VHS tapes and you thought that would fix it, right? I'll just record it on VHS tape. And so you have to make sure the tape's rewound and you got to put it in there and then you got to program the VCR. But how many of you know that had one? It didn't matter how many times you programmed that thing. It didn't work half of the time. You had to kind of get the buttons just right and it had to be on standby mode because if it was off, it wouldn't come back on. I mean, that was the life I grew up with. I know it's hard. I know you're feeling bad for me, young people. You don't know what it was like. And then there was another invention later in life that changed the game for us. It was a TiVo or DVR, digital video recorder. That changed things. Where all of a sudden you could, some of you only know this, you could program say, I want to watch this entire series. You'd do it one time and it would record every single one of your shows, Grey's Anatomy. You never missed a one of them because you could just say, you could, really? That's what you all got excited about, Grey's Anatomy? So hang, okay, all right, all right. But uh, it was a game changer. It really was. And now today, let's be honest, that this is one of the greatest things. Everything that we really want is in the cloud. Everything we want is on demand. On demand service basically means when you want it, it's there for you. When you want to watch movies, it's there for you. You know, I noticed everything in life is on demand, like our news today is on demand. It used to be that you had to wait till 5 o'clock in the evening or 11 p.m. at night to watch the news. Not anymore. Now you just get out your device, you open up Twitter, or you get on there and you scroll, and you'll know exactly what's happening to the second around the world, won't you? News is on demand today. So is music. Some of you all remember what it was like when you actually had to go to a music store and buy a little CD so that you could listen to music. And when some new CD came out, you had to get there early and get one of them because they would be get sold out and then you'd be out of luck. See, today, all you do is you just kind of, I know so many of you are so blessed. You got Spotify premium that you don't even have to worry about it. New album comes out. You just say, add to my playlist and you listen the moment it comes out. Come on, there ain't nothing better than on-demand music. On-demand news, there's on-demand music, on-demand TV. Now you can just have a service 
$12.99, you can have Hulu or you can Netflix or you can, you can watch your favorite TV shows within an hour of them coming out without ever being in front of the TV. I mean, come on, think about the world we live in today. Isn't it so beautiful? Don't you just love On Demand? On Demand is amazing. It has changed everything. Can I just tell you, though, that one of my fears that I have as a pastor today in the 21st century is that our culture has moved so much so in love with On Demand, everything's On Demand, that we could actually get to a point where we think that church is an On Demand service. We could get to a place where we think the church is downloadable. Isn't it great to have everything downloadable into your hand, into your pocket, like all you need to do? And I, I fear that we could get to a point in life today where we, we think church is a downloadable service. You, you know, if I can't make it, hey man, I just want to say I'm proud that all of you are here on a holiday weekend. Most people say, well, I just, you know, we're just going to take it easy. We're going to chill a little bit. We're going to barbecue. We're going to go to the lake and stuff. And so, you know what's so nice with technology is we just like, Oh yeah, I kind of miss worship, but you know what's cool is, you know, the songs that my church does I really like, I can just go on YouTube and I can just type in a lyric and all of a sudden I can see the original video from the original artist. So I feel like I didn't miss anything. So I just go ahead, I'm just going to stream it. Or, or, or some of you wealthy people got Apple Music. I'm teasing. I got Apple Music. Yeah, to be wealthy, just stop going to Starbucks every day and you can afford it. But, but you know, you, you can, you can, you can just listen. I, I got a great worship playlist. So if I miss church, I just stick it on in my car. You know what I mean? I just kind of, I just, I hit a little bit of it on my way to work. It just kind of, that's good. I just, I just download church. We've never lived in an age that's more available to be able to, to stream content. Hey, if I miss church, I could stream it. They do it live. Hey, if I miss a message, that's no problem. They post it on Tuesday. We can get on the podcast. I hate running on the elliptical or on the treadmill anyways. So maybe Pastor Tim will make it a little better. And I'll just listen to what I missed on Sunday. And I didn't really miss anything. Can I just tell you something about the church that I need you to know? The local church was never intended to be a downloadable service or an on-demand service because the church is not a service. Can I say that? Let me say it again. The church is not a service. Do me a favor. Turn to one of your neighbors. Tell them the church is not a service. Tell them. Go on. Tell them. The church. Come on, Lancaster. Tell them. The church is not a service. It's not a service. It's not a downloadable, on-demand service. It was never intended to be. I love technology, but it, it, was, never, it was never planned to be a downloadable, on-demand service. You know what I mean by on-demand service? I mean, it's not... It, the church is not just a service you attend. It's not just an experience. I'm glad that you come and maybe you get inspired and maybe you're like, oh, I just, Pastor Tim looks like he's always hyper and it just kind of, kind of gets me going for the week. And I just, I, you know, he's my dose of coffee on Sunday. You know, I don't even do coffee and I'm like this. You don't want to know me on coffee, okay? And, 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 and so you're like, oh, I just leave inspired. I don't know. It just helps me with my week. That's cool. I'm glad. But the church was not intended to be a service you attend. The church is also not just a service the community provides. You know that, right? The church is not just some service. So, you know, if there's a death in your family, there's somebody who could maybe officiate the funeral. Or maybe if you got somebody in your family who wants to get married, there's maybe somebody that could officiate the wedding. It's not just a building that you can rent. It's not just some place you can take your kids. And maybe they'll help kind of tell them about right and wrong so they don't make bad choices later in life. Can I just tell you that the church was never intended to be a service? 
It's because the church is always meant to be a community of people that are in relationship with one another. It's about relationships. What we do, what this is, is about relationships. It's not just about rows, it's also about circles. It's about who do you know? You know what, you know what I, I need you to understand about relationships and that is this, that there's one thing that you cannot get on demand in this life and that is authentic relationships. I think we've tried. I think sometimes we try to have authentic relationships but they're, they're almost downloadable or on demand. What do I mean? Because now we can just connect with people through social media and other things and you know what's great about that? It's kind of on demand. In other words, like when I wanna hit you up, I'll just message you. And when you wanna respond, you can just open the app and message me back. And so now I don't, I don't have to be, it's like on demand. You know what on demand is? On demand is it's there when you, when you want it, it's there when you need it, but you don't have to get it if you don't want to. That's on demand. There's so much content available to us on demand. In other words, it's there when you want it, but only when you want it. It's like, I don't, I don't really need this in my life until I want it. And then it's there. It's on demand. Can I tell you that relationships, real relationships don't work that way? Please hear me today. Because if you take an approach where you think online relationships, social media relationships can take the, the place of face-to-face -face in the presence together with real people looking right at each other, connecting in real life, you are going to miss it. You're going to end up very lonely in life. Real friendships, real relationships take work. It takes investment. It's dirty, it's getting involved in people's lives. It's being willing to give and not just always take and download when I need it. It's there. The on-demand relationships will not last. Sometimes we do that, you know, we don't invest in other people, but all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I gotta move this furniture. My wife, my daughters, it's kinda heavy for them, so I'm gonna call up my buddy, and it's like, I know it's been six months, haven't said a word to you, but hey, you got a few minutes to come on over and help me carry some furniture? How's that relationship gonna work out? Relationships are not on demand. And I want you to hear this. You can come to church on Sunday or on Thursday and leave. And if that is all it is, can I just tell you, you might come to church here, but that doesn't mean you're part of this community. I need you to know that there's more to it. It's deeper than that. And I want you also to know, and this is what I felt like God put on my heart to share with you, that it's dangerous living that kind of life. And I want to show you a story. If you got a Bible with you today, I hope you brought your Bible or electronic device. I hope you came ready to dive into God's Word. And, and I, I want to take you to Judges chapter 18. Judges 18. It, how many of you are here for the series that I taught in the summer on Gideon? Raise your hand if you were here for Gideon. Okay. You'll have some context because Gideon, his story was in Judges 6 and 7. Now today we're in Judges 18, so I want you to think contextually, this is a time when the Israelites are supposed to be uh, taking possession of Israel, the promised land God promised to Abraham. And what happened is when Joshua was there, that's the sixth book of the Bible, he led them into the promised land and they began to take possession, but what they had to do is each tribe had to take possession of their own space. And what happened is when you got to Judges, this is when Joshua died, there was no real leader. There was no king. There was nobody in charge. You know when there's no real leadership, no one in charge? People just do their own thing. And people didn't really step up and begin to kind of take possession of their land. And finally what we find in Judges 18 is, is the people of the tribe of Dan are kind of tired of living in tents and they're tired of living on the go. And so they decide maybe we need to go take possession of our land. That's where Judges 18 gets us.
Starting in verse 1 today, it says, In those days, Israel had no king. And in those days, the tribe of the Danites was seeking a place of their own where they might settle because they had not yet come into inheritance among the tribes of Israel. So the Danites sent five of their leading men from Zorah and Eshtel to spy out the land and explore it. These men represented all the Danites. They told them, go explore the land. So this is our setup. They said, we, we need to get our own space. You know, they're, they're, they've been living with their brothers and sisters long enough. So they're like, come on, y'all need to move out, you know? And, and, and so they said, we got to get our own space. And so they sent a scouting party ahead of them to go and kind of investigate the land that is supposed to be theirs. And so I want you to see what happens. Skip down to verse 7. Um, when, when the five men went to scout out this land. It says in verse 7, the five men left, and they came to Laish. Everybody say Laish. Laish. Come on, you can do better than that. Say it with me. Say Laish. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You want to live in Laish. There's nothing like life in Laish. Laish is awesome. It says this, they, they went and came to Laish where they saw that the people were living in safety. Life in Laish is safe. Like the Sidonians, at peace and secure, they had peace all around them. I want to live in Laish, so do you. And since their land lacked nothing, it says they were prosperous. I want to live in Laish. That sounds great to me as well. Come on, their land is great. They're prospering. I mean, imagine the crops and everything in this day. That is just, it's, it's just amazing. It says also, they lived a long way from the Sidonians, and they had no relationship with anyone else. Verse 8 says, when they returned to Zorah and Eshtal, their fellow Danites asked them, they said, come on, give us the report. How did you find things? What was it like? And here's what they answered in verse 9. They said, come on, let's attack them. We have seen the land, and it is very good. Come on, aren't you going to do something about it? Now they begin to kind of goad them into it. Aren't you going to do something? Don't hesitate. Go and take it over. Now, verse 10, I want you to see what happens. It says, they said, when you get there, you will find an unsuspecting people and a spacious land that God has put into your hands, a land that lacks nothing whatever. Listen, life in Laish is good. You and I, we want to live in Laish, most of us. It's beautiful. It's safe. It's secure. Nice gated community, big beautiful houses, enough land for all the sheep and four-wheelers you have. Life in Laish. You want to live in Laish. I want to live in Laish. We all do. But I, I don't know if you've ever been to Laish. And I'm, I'm not talking about Laish over in Israel. I'm talking about, metaphorically speaking, in, in your own world, your own mind, your own thought, that we all want to live in Laish. In fact, I, I would say that Laish is kind of, for me and for us, is like the American dream. It's the perfect ideal world. It's, it's the utopia of locations to live. It is the perfect place, the perfect community. It, it, it is exactly what all of us want. We want to, in our minds, we want to live in Laish. You and I want to live in Laish because they, they had nothing around them. Doesn't that sound great? They had nice and safety, peace and secure, no problems with anywhere. Life in Laish was great. Can I just tell you something that I see in our culture? When I think about our nation, when I think about what we picture in our minds about American dream, about success, here's what I've discovered that in our country, we have identified or defined success as independence. I mean, think about our nation. 
Our nation exists because of independence where we, we wanted our own nation and, and we celebrate Independence Day. Everything's about independence. Listen, the one thing that we all want in life is independence. The one thing as parents, let me just say this because I know you moms and dads because I'm one of them. The one thing that I want more than anything, and I bet you want for your kids, is that one day they're going to live independent. Come on, give me an amen if you believe that, parents. Hello. I love my kids, but one day I want them to be independent. I want them to be able to live in their own place and afford it and not live in my roof, under my roof, so they can have their own. That'd be great. I want them to be able to pay for it themselves and not be in my pocketbook one day. Can I get a witness? I just, I just want some independence for my girls one day. I want them to get to a point where they can buy their own food and not just come eat all of ours. I want to get to a point where they can pay for their own car insurance and I don't have to pay for it. Or their gas. Come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about? That's success. I just want them, I want them to get to a place, listen, where they don't need mom and dad, but they want mom and dad in their life. Amen? To me, that's success. I want to see him get independent. Now, let me say something to every young person that listens to me. You want the same dream. You want it for yourself. You want to be independent. You, you want one day, it's like, I don't want to be a mom and dad's house. I want to have my own place and decorate it the way I want to decorate it. And I want to kind of have my life and my rules and I want to be independent. And that's great. Listen, we're all on the same team. We all want the same thing. We, we don't want you moving back when you're 29 years old. We want you independent. And and that's great. There's so much about success in our world that we look at. Listen, young people, is that one day I want to be independent. We want to be independent. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love that. But can I say something to you today? Be very, very careful that you do not confuse independence with isolation. Because here's the trap I see in our culture. Is that we move toward independence and we don't realize when we get past the point of independence till we live in isolation. Today, if you think about it, for many of us, it's our dream to keep moving further and further out. I got to get my, my, our neighborhood's too tight. Our houses are too close. My neighbor's trash cans are always really close to my driveway. I can't stand it. You know what I mean? Like you, you got these thoughts that we want to get further. We want, I want to get a bigger house. I want to have more yard. I, I want to have, I want, I want to get to a point where I got so many trees all the way around my house in the perimeter that I don't have to see any of my neighbors. That's why so many of you plant pine trees all the way down your property line. Come on, you know you do it. And so you don't have to see your neighbors someday. That's why you keep feeding those trees every single year, putting plant food on them. Come on, get bigger, get bigger, get bigger. It's because one day what we want is we want to be, we want to be all alone. And sometimes we call it success. I, I want to get to a point where I'm, I'm, I'm living independent. That's great. That's great. But what I've also seen is, as we continue to move further out, is also see a, a culture where we tend to get more and more isolated from each other. And we need to understand that that's a trap. That's a trap. Because what will happen is you'll be living in Laish, and life in Laish is good. It's really good. It's prosperous. Land's good. Everything's good in Laish. And then all of a sudden, something will happen. Here's the thing. You won't even suspect it. Because that's what, that's what Judges 18.10 said. When they told them about the report, they said, we ought to go take them. Here's why. Because they're unsuspecting of it. They think life is always going to be perfect. They think they don't need anyone. 
They've lived so far isolated from everyone else that it's going to be easy, unsuspecting. I think sometimes when life is good that we, we can start to get to a posture of living very unsuspecting about what might happen to us in life. And I'm not saying that I want us to live in fear. Don't, don't live doomsday like, oh, something bad's going to I just know it. Things always come in threes and the last two, oh, so, you know, don't, don't live like that. That's, that's not how we live as people of faith. But I also don't want to live ignorant and I don't want to live unsuspecting that something might be around the corner ready to trip me up. A couple weeks ago, I, I got the opportunity to go with our, our leadership group with ministry leaders. We, we like to take in an off season. We like to get away and we like to kind of focus on the church and say, how, how can we do better? How do we lead this church better, care for people better? Where's God taking us? And, and so I thought it would be great for us to get away and have some, some team bonding. Sometimes you need some team bonding exercises. And so we decided to go canoeing in Hawking uh, Hills. Uh, and and it, was, it was great. I mean, it was a beautiful, perfect day, 80 degrees, sun was out, gorgeous day. And so a bunch of our ministry leaders and some of their spouses came and joined us, drove down to Hawking Hills to go canoeing together. Because what better builds bonding than if you can canoe all the way down the river and still love each other and make it to the end, you know you're going to stick together. You know what I'm saying? If you're not sure if your family's going to make it, you may be dating someone, go, I don't know if we should get married, go canoeing with them you'll find out real fast you know and and so we all get there and pair up and get into canoes there's a bunch of us just so happens there was one really incredible dynamic pair it's a perfect pair that somehow I don't even know how this happened but Pastor Russ from our Lancaster campus and Scott Spencer from our Lancaster campus they love each other so much ended up in the same canoe two very capable amazing strong men great leaders both have been canoeing kind of the experts on their own you know right and and somehow they end up in the canoe together and i have no idea what happened but all of a sudden you put the two of them together and it was a recipe for disaster I, I don't, I don't know what it was. I really don't. But I, I just remember pulling away in the canoe and I see them behind us and they're literally going down the river in a serpentine motion, bank to bank to bank, running into bank. Like I look, I turn around at one point, Kevin, you remember we were in the canoe together. I turn around at one point and I look back and I see that the two of them are in the canoe facing each other. That's not how you canoe. If you've never done it, two people face the same direction. We say on staff, we row in the same direction, that we are unified. But no, I'm like, what is going on? And all of a sudden, we get to this one part in the river where it kind of speeds up. I mean, we're not talking about like even level one rapids, okay? So it's just canoeing on the river, all right? Beautiful sunny day. You know, they give you life preservers, but no one wears them. You just stick them in the canoe, you know, that kind of deal. And so we get to this one part of the river and it kind of picks up the current. And, and off to the side of it, there was this big, huge like embankment with trees and big brush, everything sticking way out in it. And as we're canoeing past it, I remember looking out of the corner of my eye, I look back and I see the canoe with Pastor Russ and Scott headed straight for the trees at a seriously good clip. I mean, they're moving fast at the trees. And I'm telling you, I don't know if you ever seen like an accident, but it feels like you're watching it in slow motion. I, that's how I remember it in my mind. And they're going, and I feel like they just gave up. They just like threw their arms in the air. It's like, we're dead, you know? And they go right there and they slam right into the bank with the trees. 
And thankfully, what happened next was that um, our creative arts worship pastor, Pastor Trey, uh, stopped his canoe immediately in the moment. I know you're thinking, oh, you're going to go over and you're going to help and rescue. No, so he could capture it on video, what was going on. I brought a little bit of the video. I didn't know if any of you wanted to see. Do y'all want to see a little bit of it? I'll try to walk you through it. So go ahead and fire the video. Okay, so this is right after that moment. You can see the canoe. Scott's trying to wave past the rust. He, he's 40 yards down the river. Yeah, He's coming back. Yeah, you can, you can see Jessica. This is what's this what great. Jessica runs to the rescue because sometimes you just need a really strong woman to come rescue two guys that can't figure out how to get the canoe unstuck. I gotta, I gotta stay right here. And, and so, there's all of us just watching the show. I wasn't about to come back. That's a lot of work. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Pastor Trey should be helping about this moment. Any real gentleman would be, but thankfully, instead, he captured on video. Thank you, Pastor Trey. We needed that moment. Capture. Come on. Oh, my gosh. It was a disaster. I mean... That's pretty good, wasn't it? That's, thank you, Pastor Trey, for capturing that moment. Pastor Russ and Scott, I'm sorry. I was looking at the camera and just saying, I'm sorry. The reason why I showed that to you was, was for this. Um, you see, no one had any life preservers on. I mean, it's not real deep, you know? Uh, no one's expecting to tip over. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're going through life. No one, in fact, right before this moment happened, uh, so much so that um, Pastor Russ wasn't expecting this to happen, that he took his iPhone out of the plastic bag to capture just this perfect moment. And uh, right after he took a picture, he just set his phone back down without putting it in the plastic because he, no one expects to tip over. And so I guess I'm just saying, if any of you want to try to find an iPhone, there's one left in the river back there because he lost it. That, that made it a little hard, okay? I mean, we laugh about it now. He got it replaced. He had insurance, praise the Lord. But... What, what, I guess what I'm saying to you is that, that so many of us can just be going down through life and it feels good. You're just on a canoe and it's beautiful. It's a great day. And no one's suspecting that something bad could be around the corner. No, none of you, I mean, there's none of us expecting. Some of you would be here today and say you never suspected that you would be in a place where you're dealing with what you're dealing with in your marriage. Some of you are here and say, I, I never expected that we'd be dealing with our kids smoking this and doing this and now having to have really hard conversations and not sure how to lead them. Some of you would say, I never expected I was going to get laid off and now I don't know if we're going to be able to keep the house. Some of you would say, I never expected the doctor to say after this one regular checkup, there's a problem. Some of us would say, we've gone through life and listen, the truth is we don't expect things to happen and that's a great thing to live that way. But I want to tell you something about life. It's coming. I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that those of us who are experienced and have lived life, it's coming. There's something coming down the pike. And I'll tell you why I know it is. Because you and I, if you are on team Jesus, if you're on God's side, you need to know that you already have an adversary. His name is Satan who wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy and take you out in life. And so if you think that we can just go live life and go, nothing bad's ever going to happen. 
You need to know something. Living life in Laish is dangerous. It's never a problem until it is. And a lot of times we think, I don't need this. I don't need close community. I don't need people in my life. You never need people until you need them. Until you need them. So I wanted to ask you this, maybe this thought to wrestle with in your mind, and that is this. If you are under attack, can I ask this, who has your back? If you are under attack, today I'm asking, who has your back? If something comes at you, a trial, if you're under attack, a spiritual attack, if, you're, if maybe just life just wants to tip your canoe over, can I ask this, who has your back? Who's, who's coming to your aid? Because I'm telling you that with all its faults and all of its mess-ups and all of its ugly history, when I think about the church over the centuries, and I know that it's been messy at times, and people have done bad things at times, but can I still tell you today that I believe the church is still one of the most beautiful and incredible communities that exists in our world today? Can I tell you there's something incredible about this community? You need community around you. Don't just go live life in Laish and think, I don't need anybody around me. I'm telling you, you need community around. I know you might be independent, and I know you might have great jobs, and I know you might have a great house, and I know everything might seem like it's all perfect right now. But I'm just telling you, there are times in your life when you need community around you, when you need people to surround you. And listen, there's a lot of communities that we can be a part of in this world. There's great communities we've been a part of and your kids play sports. That's a community. You can sit and watch games with other parents and build relationships. That's awesome. That's great. There's a gym community where you go to the gym and you get swole with a bunch of other guys. And that's great. That's, that's an awesome community. You can go to a Buckeyes game where a hundred thousand of your closest friends and all wearing the same colors will cheer on the Buckeyes together. And it's exciting and it's awesome. But I want to ask you, how many of those 100,000 people do you think are going to come to your aid when the doctor says, I'm sorry, but you have cancer? I guess what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of community out there, but not all communities are created equal. I believe there's something special about the church community because of its mission, because of its leader, because of its purpose. There's something different about the church community that I want to say if there's any place that you will plant your life and your family in, it is the church community. If there's any group of people that you say, I want surrounding me, I'm telling you, it's the church community. Because there's something different about a church community. The way they love, the way they give, the way they serve one another. You're not going to find that in every community. It's a life in Laish, it looks great sometimes. It does. But what we don't know is that our enemy might actually be planning an attack. And so here they are, there's an unsuspecting people. And I wanted to show you what happened in Judges 18, verses 27 and 28. Because the Israelites, the Danites, they, they took 600 soldiers. That's all they thought they needed. Because they were so far away from everyone else. And it says this in, in verse 27 and 28. It says, Then they took what Micah had made and his priest and went on to Laish against a people at peace and secure. Oh, we were good. We got a gated community and our bills are all caught up and our mower works. And, you know, life's good. I don't need anybody. don't need anything. I just, I download my community. It's on demand. That's what they thought. It says, then they attacked them with the sword and burned down their city. And I, I want verse 28. If you got notes, I'd, I'd mark this. 
your Bible, I'd, I'd mark this verse. I want, you to, I want you to think about Judges 18, 28 this week. Maybe you'll go read it yourself. Judges 18, 28. It says, there was no one to rescue them because they lived a long way from Sidon. And because they had no what? Everyone say it out loud. They had no Come on, help me say it again. Come on, Lancaster. They had no relationship with anyone else. They were modern-day Switzerland. We don't need anybody. We're independent. We, we got it. I don't want to make allies with somebody else. You know why? Because when their life's a mess, I don't want to have to run to their rescue. I, I don't want, it takes work, it takes time, it takes investment, and, and so that's why I don't get into a small group. It's why I don't serve, it's because it's going to take time, it's going to take investment, and my life's already so busy, and so I just, on-demand on church, it's there when I need it. If I don't want it, that's fine, it's on-demand. Listen, can I tell you something? That you could be living life in Laish and think everything is great. You think, I got peace, I got security, I don't need anybody for any reason. But listen, it says that they were living at peace and with safety. They thought, we're good. And they weren't good. In fact, I want you to, to embrace this truth, and that is this. A false sense of safety will lead to a lack of any real relationships in your life. A false sense of safety will lead to a lack of any real relationships in your life. It'll also lead to a lack of any real leadership in your life. I, I don't know. I just want to keep my distance. I don't want to submit. I don't want to connect my life. I don't want to, I don't want to give up a Wednesday night. I don't want to give up an extra hour of Sunday. I don't want, I'm just going to show up. I'm going to get, it's on demand. It's not, the church was never intended to be on demand service. And I'm here to tell you that you need more out of this community than many of you realize. And we as a community need you. We need you. Can I just say that if you're new here, I just want to say this. If you're new, maybe you've been coming the last several weeks. Maybe you've been coming for a little bit and you just kind of show up and it's good. I like, I get inspired, it's great. That's awesome and all, but can I just tell you what you've stepped into? This is a different kind of community. This kind of community, what you stepped into here is that we're a community of imperfect people and we know our lives are mess and we don't fake anything and we don't have to put on a show. We don't have to pretend like life is good when it's not good. We all know that we are just trophies of God's grace here, that we're just messed up people. And if it weren't for the grace of God, we wouldn't be who we are and what God is doing in our lives. And I just want to say you stepped into a community of people that are generous, a community of people that don't judge if you look different and if you're struggling and if you're marriage is falling apart we're not going to judge you you came to a safe place where we want to surround you we want to surround you some of you i'm asking this question are you surrounded in order to be surrounded you at first have to have people around you do you have a circle in this community not just do you come and sit in a row i'm asking that question i want you to wrestle with it i'm being direct because i because, because one of the hardest things that I have as a pastor is God's called me and our other pastors and leaders to care for the flock, the sheep, the, the, the church of God. But it's hard when, when no one knows your name and none of us know your story. And listen, the staff, we don't need that. You need that. You need a circle of people that know your story. I'm asking you today, are you known? Are you known and do others know you in a real way? Or is church a, I mean, it could just be a downloadable service for you. I pray it's not. I don't want tragic things to happen in your life. I don't want them to happen in my life. 
I don't want you to face your parents going through a divorce. I don't want you to face not having enough money for the end of the month. I don't want you to face going through a battling depression. I don't want you to face him walking out on you. I don't want you to face it. But can I tell you, reality is a lot of us are. And we need a community around us because let me tell you something. Because you never know when you just might need a community like this. So it was January 30th. Uh, it was the polar vortex, coldest night of the year that we had had so far. Um, waking up in the morning, everything was as I thought it was gonna be that day. Just thought it was gonna be a normal day. Uh, I step out onto our side porch and I notice that there's smoke just billowing over top of the house. And come to find out, it, uh, it was my three car garage was just fully engulfed in flames burning. And um, my neighbor had showed up. I throw, you know, one of my, my toss Luke to him and he gets him into the truck. They, you know, get my truck out of the driveway and, uh, you know, the house is fully engulfed in flames within 18 minutes. So standing there in our field, you know, watching the house burn down, watching the firefighters try to do what they could in that moment, I instantly start going through my phone and through, you know, connections of our old small group, uh, friends, family, you know, pastors at church, and I'm just reaching out to to everybody that I can ask for prayers, ask for, you know, and uh, texts and calls are rolling in also, you know, with people that had heard about the fire. and Yeah, so um, I was texting Erin, telling her that um, one of the main things that was still in the house that we didn't get, and anyone who's had Luke and Layla in the nursery, they know how important their blankets or their minkies are, um, and Luke's was still in the house, and that was the one thing I knew we had to get out. I wanted, my wedding rings were in there, but I wanted that blanket. Um, so she had talked to Rick and within minutes, Rick and Russ show up with blankets from someone in the church who had made Luke's initial blanket, Becky, um, and she'd provided brand new blankets for Luke because he lost his old one. You know, the firefighters were in the garage and I was talking to them because they were just trying to warm up and one of the firefighters popped his head in and he said, uh, he, said <laughs> he said, there's two guys out here and they both have skinny jeans on. So <laughs> initially, you know, it kind of took me back and then, uh, you know, Pastor Rick and Russ came through the door with the blankets in their hands. Uh, one of our old small group leaders, Naaman Nakanishi, shows up because he had heard about the fire on the police scanner and because he had connections and insurance and everything else, he started reaching out to people and um, he was able to set up a GoFundMe for us while the house was kind of still burning and we were still sorting through things. So already while the house was on fire and we were reaching out to people, the community, people from our church, were already pouring love and support into us um, in that short time. Um, Becca Dawson and all of the the leaders, the servant leaders and ex-kids um, got together and they wanted to do something for us so they all um, gave us a family night um, to Sesame Street Live which was awesome. I mean it was a good it was good to just get away and be with the family for a night and then um, Rick Jones through the men's group um, they all put together um, a another family night through Disney on Ice so they it was it was awesome during that time we definitely needed it absolutely so that this past 
you know, six months has been without a doubt the worst season of our life. Um, so from December 9th, Layla fracturing her skull in an accident and us being in the ICU and Children's Hospital to January 30th, our house burning completely to the ground to February 13th, me getting let go from the job that I was at. Everything around us was gone, everything. To now where we are today, um, you know, six months, eight months after the fire, uh, our house is currently being rebuilt. Um, and in the same spot. In the same spot, which was a, such a blessing because we didn't think we were gonna be able to do that because with me losing my job, that threw a whole nother, um, you know, monkey wrench into trying to afford to build a house. So God took us from a place of having nothing to having abundantly more than what we thought was even possible. So being in a small group helped us um, because all of the people that we reached out to initially, first and foremost, were people that we had done life with. People that knew us, people that knew our kids, people that knew where we lived, you know, and, and knew what we lost. And so being in that small group gave us the people that supported us in the hardest time of our lives.